learn more from failure than success. Okay. So go and if you think you want to be something mm -hmm. and you truly are willing to sacrifice and work hard mm -hmm. and you visualize it in your head that you can do it. Yeah. Um, uh, and don't be afraid of failure. Hi, everybody. Super excited to share my conversation with my friend Keith Jones, who is a news anchor at NBC10 in Philadelphia. A big shout out to our mutual friend and past podcast guest, Rosemary Connors, who is also an anchor at NBC10 and was kind enough to make the connection. Quick background on Keith, he grew up in a small town called New Egypt in New Jersey with his parents and two brothers. He then went on to Villanova University, which has played a tremendous role in his life. During his time at Villanova, Keith was the manager and practice player for the men's basketball team. It was through this that sparked his interest in broadcasting. After graduating from Villanova in 2007, Keith took a leap of faith and dove headfirst into the broadcasting industry. He started from the very bottom. He was in Harrisonburg, Virginia for two years, then made his way to Pittsburgh for three years. In 2012, Keith had the exciting and rare opportunity to return to Philadelphia to NBC10 News at age 27, which was the youngest anchor in the Philadelphia area. Over the past seven years, Keith has covered an extensive amount of intriguing stories that he will tell us all about. Not only does Keith tell us about his broadcasting career, but he was also kind enough to talk about the passing of his late girlfriend, Kara McCollum, who died tragically in a car accident in 2016. Keith can most definitely serve as a role model to anyone that has been through a similar type of adversity. Keith also talks about the angels that arose in his life after this tragedy, such as his amazing new girlfriend, Devin, and past podcast guest, Father Rob Hagan, Coach Wright, and the entire Villanova basketball family. I hope you enjoyed listening to Keith's story as much as I did. Thanks so much. So welcome, Keith, to High Five Success Stories. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. And just so listeners know, we're sitting here in the new Comcast Technology yeah. Center. And if you're not from Philadelphia, it's the tallest building, right? Philadelphia mm -hmm. right it now? Is. Yeah, yeah. 1,200 1, feet in the uh, sky. Yeah, it's very cool. It's where um, NBC10 is headquartered now. You guys just moved in this past fall. That's right. And I also interviewed, we just talked about a handful of your friends. Mm -hmm. So Coach Jay Wright. Back in September. Huge mentor um, to me, yeah. And then um, Father Rob Hagen. A lifeline. He's yeah. amazing, yeah. And we'll talk about these guys too. And then, um, most importantly, Rosemary Connors, mm -hmm. your yeah. colleague here at She's NBC10. Fantastic. Yeah, and she connected me with you. So, um, what I was thinking about when I thought about them all, the three of them last night, is not only do they have amazing success stories, but they're also incredibly humble people. Mm -hmm. So I knew that the fact that you were associated with them and had good relationships, that you're also a good person and also have a good story. Thank you so, very much. I can only hope to live up to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I thought we'd start out by having you give a little bit of background on where you grew up and went to school. Uh, before you met me, did you know where New Egypt, New Jersey is? I did not. I had to, I had to Google search it. <laughs> not surprising. Yeah. Like, nobody knows where it is. So yeah. my whole life I've dealt with, even like while I was in the town, of people wondering, like, where is New Egypt? Like, is it like old Egypt? Yeah. Is it, and then there's a new Egypt. And, okay. But it's this, um, gosh, a five square mile town. Okay. When I moved there in 1990, my family, you know, five uh, from Piscataway, New Jersey, North Jersey, um, there were 2,000 people there. We okay. lived, moved into a dirt road, um, but it was cool. It was, it, uh, it, I was the first to do everything through the school system, which was really okay. neat. It was a public school. Um, I was the first graduating class in my high school. What that meant was um, I was one of 89 kids that graduated, yeah. okay. which meant we got a chance to play every sport and get our butts kicked. Yeah. Um, we got a chance to be in the plays, mm -hmm. um, and I enjoyed the, the lead in the show a couple of times. I don't think okay. I could have been able to say that had I went to a big, huge school with a right, right. ton of people. 
Um, so it afforded some great opportunities, but it also taught taught me how to lose mm-hmm. because we lost a ton of mm-hmm. uh, basketball games, for instance, um, football games. We barely fielded a team, soccer, you know, rattle them off. Okay. So they were great sure, yeah. um, learning moments coming from a real small town, but, but I loved it. It was good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And then what was your path to Villanova? Because I know that Villanova's played a tremendous role. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, so my dad started taking me around to schools. By my junior year, I wanted to play basketball. Um, and uh, some Division three schools were interested mm-hmm. in me, uh, Swarthmore and Haverford. And, and really I wanted to use it. I wanted to yeah. use it to get into a good academic school because Definitely, I didn't have yeah. the grades to get into those schools. Okay. Turns out, um, while I consider myself to be a decent basketball player, at mm-hmm. least at the time, I didn't. You know, it wasn't good enough to overlook my um, grades, my mm. credentials that way. Okay. So I wasn't able to get into those schools. Um, so I decided, uh, you know, I'm going to be a normal student. Mm-hmm. I'm going to apply to a couple of schools. And I got waitlisted to Villanova. Okay. Uh, was Didn't like my first few visits to Villanova. Mm-hmm. I least liked the school. And then my fourth one, something clicked. I got okay. a tour from the chair of the theater department who mm-hmm. had become the president of the university. Oh, wow. Um, and I wrote handwritten notes like crazy yeah. and um, finally got my foot in the door, I guess, and um, was accepted. Okay. Amazing. And, um, yeah. And I was resigned to be a normal student. And um, I, I had a hard time keeping up with the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got decent grades at New Egypt, but it wasn't anything right. um, crazy. Exactly. Um, uh, you know, I took AP courses and stuff, but never enough to qualify for college credit. Yeah. Um, so about three weeks in, I, I would play basketball all the time just, okay. just to blow off some steam. And I was in the, the musical there at Villanova, mm-hmm. the Villanova Student Musical Theater, Guys and Dolls, in this menial role. Yeah. And um, happened to be practicing in this gym one day when nine players in the Villanova basketball team walked in. Okay. Now, I, I, I never, you know, there's, there was never a dream in my head where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good enough to be a Division One basketball player. Yeah, yeah, okay. I always... Um, Shot for the stars, though, and I said, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'll, uh, you know, set my sights high. And the worst thing that can ever happen is that I have the cool experience forever. So right. they, they needed a 10th player. I decided to you know, raise my hand. They somehow, you know, said okay. okay. <laughs> and we went five-on-five five scrimmage. And um, I think I might have scored a garbage bucket, maybe pulled down two long rebounds that fell in my lap. Okay. Um, but... Um, but I played with a lot of heart. I dove on the floor. Mm-hmm. And one of the graduate assistants who was there said, hey, we don't have a spot on the team available right. or a scholarship, um, which would have been a pipe dream. But we have the student managing opportunity to be a oh, video wow. coordinator, and you can apply. Okay. And sure enough, I um, applied. And this is freshman year? This is my freshman okay. year, three weeks in. And um, and sure enough, uh, landed the gig. I, okay. I wrote on the top of the thing. Uh, Lord knows what made me write this. But I wrote, I will work my ass off. And mm. then I, that's how I started, like, the essay. Yeah. And the uh, graduate assistant who ended up reading all of the applications okay. saw that and said, like, I need that kid. Right. Thank God he did that. Amazing, because, yeah. Yeah, it set me on this really nice course. I worked um, harder than I ever have in my life as a student manager. Mm-hmm. Um, my role was to um, tape every single um, game. Um, I practiced on occasion, but only as, like, a, a beanbag out there. Okay. Um, and uh, travel with the team everywhere, um, fulfill any of the coaches' errands. Okay. Um, I would film, uh, I, I would be in charge of all the VCRs and DVD players because mm-hmm. um, we were transitioning from VHS to DVD. Right. Um, and make sure I cut highlights for every single uh, coach mm-hmm. that wanted them. So I'd be in Coach Wright's suite at a hotel on the road. Yeah. Um, every single 
time we traveled okay. um, and all the other coaches. So I learned a great deal about basketball and I yeah. learned a great deal about managing my time. Definitely, yeah. And what years was this, too, so people can put yeah, it Yeah, 2003 uh, is my freshman year. So that's okay. when I joined the team. And um, we were uh, – the reason only nine players walked in, I should have back, back up here, is because 12 guys were suspended for using this phone card on campus. Okay. It was when every dorm room had, like, a, yeah. a phone. Right, you had to right. dial out with this code, right. and it billed your, your okay. parents. got it. Well, the basketball office had one of these codes okay. that was disseminated throughout the whole staff. Right, okay. And um, the university reported it to the NCAA. The NCAA suspended 12 players. Wow. So that's the only way, reason why I got well, my you opportunity. Got in. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we went 500 my first year. Um, it was Coach Wright's um, third season, I okay. think, total. Had no success. Okay. And then from my freshman year all the way to my junior year, we okay. went from um, not making the tournament to the number one seed in the tournament. Wow. So I got to see that. Um, that crazy rise yeah. to what we're familiar with now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy you're touching on that because I feel like whenever anyone thinks about Coach Wright, they think about 2016, 2018. Yeah, But yeah. he started from the very bottom. Oh, my and really God, really had to yeah. build a team. Yeah, there, there were um, articles done, and, I, and I've written a book um, about just how nothing was certain then. Mm-hmm. I mean, his job wasn't secure. Um, he was quoted once telling his wife, hey, this might not work out here at Villanova. Right. My freshman year. Yeah. Um, there was, there were a couple galvanizing moments. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we had some, we showed a lot of grit. We had a, a ton of talent. We had a big recruiting class come right. in. Um, we, um, we were flying out from Providence my sophomore year mm-hmm. in a snowstorm okay. and had an emergency crash landing. Mm-hmm. Um, now I say emergency crash landing only because that's what the flight attendant prepared us for. Okay. Not like an emergency landing, like no, an emergency crash landing. And we all thought we were going to die. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was horrible. And um, we ended up um, landing safely, thank goodness. Um, the uh, pitch trim switch, I think it's what it's mm-hmm. called. The, the, essentially, the pilot couldn't figure out okay. how high we were. Yeah. Um, and was flying blind in the wow. fog okay. uh, of a snowstorm. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Philly Inquirer and New York Times, the headline was uh, 12 Minutes of Hell. And, mm-hmm. But it was a, a moment that really brought us all together, together as a family. Yeah. Okay. And so when you hear that word family, Coach Wright had been using it before mm-hmm. then. We really felt it after that after moment. After that, and, yeah. and if you look at that moment, January 12, 2005 onward, there was tremendous success after right. that. We went Sweet 16, and then the next year we did the Elite Eight. Yeah. Um, so cool. Yeah, yeah. So I got to really witness and be part of that, which is which is so fulfilling in my life. Yeah, and that's where you met past podcast guest, Father Rob, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. About. No yeah. question. By my, my freshman year... Um, there was an incident a couple games in that mm-hmm. required a new team chaplain to come in, and okay. Father Rob fulfilled that role. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool to say that we started about the same time, I think mm-hmm. just several weeks apart, um, and uh, and the role that he's played in my life. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know what I would have done right. um, without him. Exactly. Not yeah. only through the stressful moments um, at Villanova, but, yeah. but later on. Later in life, on. Which I'm sure we'll talk yeah. about. We'll yeah. talk about, yeah. And I think it's cool for me, too, because I interviewed Coach Wright in mm-hmm. um, September, Father Rob November, and you in January. So I've got some good Villanova that's synergy. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that's so really great. it's been really fun, for sure. Um, so at what point did you um, know that you wanted to enter the broadcast broadcasting industry? When did that come in? When, when we started playing really good basketball, all of a sudden, the Philly reporters were really interested in covering us mm-hmm. in the stations, and networks were, too. We started getting on national TV a lot more. And one person in particular that I remember was John Clark, okay. who worked for um, NBC10 then. Mm-hmm. Now he works for NBC sure. Sports Philadelphia. 
um, he would follow us around it. And okay. he's he's such a, a different reporter. Mm-hmm. Not only he's six foot six, you can't miss him. Okay. He's got a ton of energy and enthusiasm, but he approaches the craft so differently. Mm-hmm. I remember him offering um, these little tapes to one of the players on the team who had his mini camera mm-hmm. because he wanted that footage to okay. be able to show on the news. I mean, he wanted to bring the Villanova story to people in a way that the other sports reporters weren't telling him. Right, okay. Um, and you could just tell he loved what he did. Mm-hmm. I always loved writing. I, I, I was um, a college radio station. I tried to host a sports show, not well. Um, I wrote for the Villanovan, um, the newspaper on campus, yeah. movie reviews. Okay. Nah, you know, it yeah. always certainly wasn't um, setting the world on fire. But then I saw him and I said, wow, I, well, I, write, I like writing. I was really taken with the mm-hmm. way he approached his job. That sounds really exciting. One of those times I pulled him aside and then got with my advisor okay. a week later and we secured an internship under him okay. at NBC10. Oh, amazing. Okay. Under him and Vaisekahema. And without those two guys, I, I'd have never you know, learned to love what I do here we every do. day at NBC10. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's so crazy, too, to work with these guys mm-hmm. now and be colleagues, yeah. particularly John Clark. Who I'm next to now. Whenever I uh, right. host these um, Eagles pregame shows, I saw that this past weekend. Really? So oh, it's cool. It's January eighth today, and yeah. when this goes live, yeah, right, 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 right. we won't we won't really know what's going to happen this weekend with the Eagles. Eagles but you guys Bears. were there this past weekend, which yeah, is super cool. Yeah, out yeah. in Chicago. But it's so crazy. I'm still like a little kid. Yeah. On NBC Ten News at five, if you watch any day, weekday, I anchor with Glenn Hurricane Schwartz. Now okay. this guy, like, I grew up watching. It's like yeah. it's like mind blowing. Right. The yeah. fact that I'm talking with him. Because um, I still feel like a kid. And there are times in the broadcast when, when the Eagles were about to play um, Chicago. Um, we were on the field at Soldier Field, and I look over, and my co-host is John Clark. And I'm going, yeah. what the heck am I yeah. doing? Like, this is so a really cool, cool life. Yeah, um, for sure. So you decided at Villanova then. Mm-hmm. You found this passion of yours. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so did you dive right headfirst after college? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I ended too? up, um, I learned um, during my internship, I, I had a couple of stand-ups that a lot of the photographers who still work here shot, mm-hmm. which is really neat. Okay. As a 22-year-old, you know, they shot my first stuff. Um, I learned that you needed to amass this tape of some of the things, like, you know, stuff on, on a tape, like stand-ups, for instance, okay. me holding a mic in front of the camera and delivering sure. the yeah. news or a fake news report or something, putting together packages, which are these taped stories that okay. could be anywhere from a minute to a minute 30. Yeah. Put them all on one VHS tape and then start to send them all around the country okay. and see if you can um, get any interest from any smaller sure. market stations. I said 60 tapes and I got three responses. Okay. I did the one thing you're not supposed to do um, that I tell my students this day at Villanova that you shouldn't do, and that's I uh, faked live shots. Okay. I literally took... Ted Greenberg, for instance, who works in the Jersey Shore mm-hmm. um, Bureau Reporter, I took one of his packages and one of his live shots, okay. and I literally just voiced over it, which yeah. is like, do not do that. Right. I also faked live shots in that I put like fake live okay. graphics on it. Yeah. It look live. Nobody was fooled by that. Okay, got it. <laughs> and I've always been very self-conscious. Only till the last few years mm-hmm. um, have I c- been more comfortable with my voice. Mm-hmm. So I also boosted the bass in my voice. Mm-hmm. In the okay. editing. Thank goodness I was able to edit because of the basketball experience. Right, exactly. Um, so I sent out 60 tapes around the country, three responses. One was in uh, Bend, Oregon. Okay. Another one was Lehigh in Pennsylvania. Okay. And then the third one was Harrisonburg, Virginia. Okay. Um, to Hema's credit, he vetted all three. He okay. called them himself on his personal yeah. time. Um, he, he made sure that they were decent opportunities for me mm-hmm. to even start to approach. Okay. 
And ultimately, I ended up choosing Harrisonburg, Virginia for okay. um, no money. Um, yeah. It's like right near JMU, James Madison sure, University yeah. in the Shenandoah Valley uh, for $19,000 a year. Yeah. Um, wow. And I ended up staying there for three years yeah. like, doing everything. I give you and Rosemary Connor so much credit because she told me her story. It's similar to yours. You're yeah. sending out a thousand It's teams. so funny. We talked about this on the phone, but like yeah. listening to her her story mm-hmm. reminded me how similar our stories yeah. are in a way too. Um, and I think that goes for every broadcaster too. you got to learn to cut your teeth and earn your chops yeah. and work in a really small place that while all your friends, like Villanova is a good school. As Penn is yeah. a great school, you know, all of my classmates were doing huge things and right. making a lot of Going money and York. driving great cars. Yeah. And right. I was driving my Ford Probe yeah, yeah. Uh, into the ground yeah. in Virginia. So did you encounter any naysayers? Of course. When you, because yeah, it's a my unique parents, path. My, yeah. my parents um, were hesitant only because um, they wanted a comfortable situation for mm-hmm, me. For sure. Um, but they started to see how interested I was in doing this. Mm-hmm. And they ultimately, in the end of the day, just want me happy. Right, exactly. Um, and so they ended up supporting me in ways that, um, I, again, they're, not, they're another, those two are, are incredible in yeah. my life. Um, for holidays, my dad would dress up as Santa and um, go um, and be Santa Claus when I couldn't okay. get off work. Amazing. On Christmas, yeah. you pack the whole family up and they drive down. Oh, so nice. So, like, that yeah. stuff is, like, absolutely incredible. Right. So you went to Virginia for three years, mm-hmm. and then did you go to Pittsburgh, I read? Pittsburgh right after that, yeah. Okay. Um, so what year is it that you job. started in Virginia? Uh, you graduated in? I was in, I graduated in 07. Okay. Uh, I worked in Virginia from, um, uh, gosh, July of 2007 to July of 2010. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And then I switched pretty much overnight to the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. station. Okay. Um, and that was a huge market shove. Um, yeah. I was very fortunate to be in communication with the former news director here, okay. John Clark and Vi, sure, yeah. and sent them my stuff. And they and they were giving me honest critiques of, you know, what I was doing well, mm-hmm. what I could improve on. And that was really valuable. Yeah. I think um, what I started to learn, and my father taught me this, was to never rationalize. You know, the there's so much value in honest, constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to see in yourself your own weaknesses okay. to improve. Right. Um, and then you have to, like we were talking about downstairs, mm-hmm. you have to be able to um, visualize, visualize yeah. yourself doing these things. Mm-hmm. And then only then can you actualize yeah. it. Um, and uh, I've always shot for the stars. And um, so when I was sending um, my tape out to other stations, right. Um, Harrisonburg, Virginia's market 181. It was, mm-hmm. I think it's 178 now okay. in terms of like size. Okay. Um, New York is one, LA's two, Chicago's three, Philly's four. Yeah. How um, many are there? 212. 212. Okay, so, oh, yeah, got it. Like, like bottom yeah. of the barrel. Right. Um, uh, Pittsburgh's 23. Okay. Which is like yeah. an unheard of That's jump. Good. Yeah. But again, I lowered the base or raised the base in my voice, and I um, right. tried to you know throw together the most creative things that I was mm-hmm. doing on TV in Virginia. And a, and a news director in Pittsburgh at the ABC affiliate, WTAE Bet. Yeah. Um, and I had never really done many live shots before that point. Okay. I kind of faked it and kind of right. kind of lied during my interview, saying, yeah. oh, I could do yeah. this, because I knew I could do it. Right. Um, and I wasn't about to tell her, no, I can't do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the very first day I was on Breaking News Live, and wow. the anchor called me Kevin. Um, okay. It was great. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was like, this is the way it's supposed to happen. Right. Um, and, and hearing that in my ear, right before I went live, he said, uh, Kevin Jones is out. And I said, uh-oh. But it threw me completely. It got me comfortable. Yeah. Oh, God. So it's like, oh, well, if I even if I screw up, nobody's going to know right, who right. Kevin Jones is. Yeah. Um, so you spent two yeah. years there. 
And then 2012 was when you had the opportunity to come back to Philly? Yes. Okay. So how did that happen? Crazy. So yeah. this is a crazy story. So two big things happened, one serious and one hilarious. The serious thing was um, the Jerry Sandusky sex abuse trial was right. happening in okay. the middle of Pennsylvania. So Philly and oh, right. Pittsburgh were covering okay. it. So suddenly I was rubbing shoulders with a lot of the folks here um, mm. in, at NBC10 okay. with um, 6ABC because we were partners. They were both sure. ABC stations. Um, Fox 29 was out there, CBS 3. Um, and a lot of the stuff that I was putting on TV, we were sharing mm. with the other stations. Yeah. Um, that was a big moment that happened, I think, okay. that got me a little exposure. The other thing was uh, I was working this really long morning shift because mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, I just took any shift that they sure. wanted me to take because yeah. I, I figured I'm going to soak up experience like a sponge. Um, I'm going to um, really earn my chops because yeah. I was the youngest. Everyone, one of, one of the photographers called me a kid once. Right. You know, the ageism was crazy. Mm. Um, and I was only 25, so I said, I'll, I'll just take any shift. I'll yeah. make doubles. I don't care. Right. What else am I going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like I have many friends out in Pittsburgh. So I um, w- work in the shift 13 hours in. We're driving back, me and a photographer, and we get a call that there's a pig stuck on the side of a highway. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And at this point, like, I'm at the end of my, my wits end. I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know if I can find But I said yes. Okay. Yes, escape my lips. Right. So we turned back around and drove an hour um, south of Pittsburgh. Oh, jeez. Uh, okay. Fayette County. There was a, a woman there with a pig on the side of the road. Mm. The pig had, had uh, escaped down the highway and into some grass. And she okay. was like, if this thing comes out in the middle of the road, it's going to get killed. Right. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, if that pig escapes into the highway, like, people could really yeah. get hurt, too. right. So we call police. We call the fire department. They mm. don't respond. Yeah. Um, so I say, you know what? I've worked a long shift. Like, I'm going to take my shirt off. I had a white T-shirt underneath. Right. Lob me up. I'm getting this thing in a blanket. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so I go down there, scoop it up in a blanket. I, I'm like... Uh, consoling this pig, like mm-hmm. he's a really high voice, like you know, I'm a huge dog lover, so okay. I talked to it like a dog, yeah, which is super embarrassing, but it just okay. was like this instinctual thing. And I climbed up over the hill and I put it in her um, the back um, trunk of her car, which was okay. open that had a lot of blankets and yeah. stuff. And um, she said, "Oh, you saved the day." We interviewed her, great, um, you know. And then um, she closed the trunk and drove away. And, okay. And, and she said, "Oh, we'll take it to a petting zoo or something." I said. Fine, great. We we put it back on TV. Okay. It goes viral. Wow. And World News picks it up. And no way. Yeah, I Inside Edition. Okay. And so it's me rescuing a pig. Mm. And right after that, three news directors in uh, Philly called. Yeah, and you said yes at your wit's end, which is pretty oh, yeah. cool. Which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. So then the, the whole back end of the story, though, mm-hmm. and I tell my class this all the time because I always like to show this story, which is mm-hmm. on YouTube, and then... You know, is there any parts of that story that seems a little uh, suspicious yeah. or confusing to Just you? That story? Yeah. I don't know. I got to... The fact that I threw a pig in the back of a truck? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then she closed it. This is a random stranger. Yeah. Like, that poor pig, I really hope that pig is okay. Right, right, you know? Yeah, Because sure. Lord knows where she took yeah, it. Yeah, where it went. Like, what was yeah. I thinking? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So that was really your final ticket back to, that was the moment. to Philadelphia. Yeah, Very yeah. cool. And that was 2012? Yep. Okay. So then what is your role today then? Or at that point, yeah. when you started. So I was I was hired to anchor weekday mornings okay. with Lori Wilson, who was okay. here, uh, and Jillian Mealy was uh, traffic, and Bill Henley was meteorologist in the morning. Okay. And um, I was uh, super excited about it, way mm-hmm. over my head, though, 27 years old in Philly. I was the okay. youngest anchor um, on air in the mornings and anywhere. Yeah. Um, 
So, um, and it went okay. We went from number four in the market to number two. Okay, amazing. Um, there yeah. was a huge management switchover. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it had to do with The Tonight Show. Jimmy okay. Fallon took over. Yeah. And a lot of people fell asleep to NBC being on television. They Got wake it. up and they turn it on and yeah. we're on already. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, so that helps, okay. um, you know, admittedly. And then, um, and then what happened about a year and a half in, um, Tracy Davidson came down to mornings. They moved me up to 5 p.m. to switch with Vi. Okay. Um, so I anchored um, 5 p.m. news with um, Jack London. Okay. And then now it's um, me and Aaron Coleman. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So it's been, I guess, I guess 2019, almost seven years. Almost seven years. Yeah. It's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so I know that when you moved back to um, Philadelphia, too, you met your late girlfriend, Kara. Mm-hmm. And so, like we talked about right before we started, I always think about why I interview a particular person. So like I was saying, you have an amazing you know, success story, you know, you're making a name for yourself in Philadelphia, but I also think that you could really help people by telling your story about Kara, sure. um, especially people that might be going through similar hardships. So I just lost my dad three months ago, mm-hmm. different from you know a little bit, but um, so it's I- different but the same, so, yeah, it really is. There's yeah, some yeah. similarities, it's yeah. All, all unique. Yeah, so I um, selfishly haven't even reaching out to people that are in you know my similar boat, and it helps me a lot just hearing how other people have navigated you know that first year, mm-hmm. which I'm going through it right now. So it's hard. And, I, and I'm yeah. almost thinking like I don't even know if I can give advice to people yet. So um, no, you can. I'm only it, three months in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, so so I um, I met Kara. Uh, I was hosting the American Red Cross Red Ball mm-hmm. in 2014. Okay. She was there as the. Uh, reigning Miss New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, and I said I got to talk to that girl. Yeah, and she bolted. Um, okay, it, uh, before I got a chance to, so I ended up reaching out to her um, on Twitter, which okay. she was like, super. She was like, "Oh, that was really sliding yeah. to the DMs." But right, I was like, right. "I had to talk to her." Yeah, um, and then we got together for brunch, and hit it off from there. Yeah, um, we. She ended up moving into my house, and okay. we got the dog together, Charlie, right. Mini Aussie. Okay. Um, she was an incredible writer, mm-hmm. um, super um, talented. She was beautiful. She went to Princeton, right? She went to Princeton, okay. yeah. Super smart, yeah. Um, she had took, taken a year off to be in Miss New Jersey, and by the time we started dating, she was no longer the reigning. She was, uh, I guess, the reigning. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, but she was still very, very um, uh, involved in the organization. Okay. She had started a nonprofit called the Birthday Book Project when she was okay. 16 years old in Arkansas. Wow. Uh, cool. Growing up there, had no accent for some reason. Yeah. Um, but she was very much an advocate for women mm-hmm. and an advocate for literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was her passion in life. She mm-hmm. had weighed um, whether or not she wanted to be a politician or okay. whether to be um, a news anchor because she can still kind of have an impact on people. Right. She ended up going the news anchor route. Okay. Got a got got a job in South Jersey for okay. SNJ Today in Millville, uh, sure. Millville. and uh, uh, to zoom ahead, um, February of 2016, there was an ice storm that we mm. were covering here at NBC10, and I was warning people um, on TV to be careful on the mm. roads, and and uh, Kara worked a night shift. She anchored the uh, 6 p.m. show down there, and I had to. Um, so I got the desk. I went out for my story on mm. Temple's campus. And, uh, and Kara calls me on the phone. Okay. And she says, um, I made a detour. We, we were um, joking about always wanting to paint one of the bathrooms okay. um, in the house. And she's like, oh, I made a detour. And we started talking and she's yeah. laughing. And, and then uh, February 15th, um, 2016, about uh, 6.45, she, um, she just screamed mm-hmm. and said, uh, and just screamed, oh my God, yeah. in my ear. 
and then I heard uh, what I imagine now to be the car crashing and mm-hmm. then um, uh, the phone going dead. Okay. Um, and she was on Route 55 in, uh, I think, Pitts Grove Township. Okay. I, I say I think because to this day I still I haven't really been able to bring myself to even mm-hmm. drive that road or, right. or be around that area or to look up any of the mm-hmm. articles. Um, and so I f- frantically called. And yeah. if you, actually, first the first four seconds afterwards, I was like, man, her, her cell service stinks. Mm-hmm. You know, it just yeah. was the shock moment, I guess. Right. And what everyone thinks is when, you know, when you lose someone, it's like, oh, their cell's bad. Yeah. 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 And then uh, and then it clicked. And I yeah. went, uh-oh, what did I just hear? Right. Um, and um, and what followed, I, I ended up getting a hold of um, our, our assignment desk. Mm-hmm. They started making calls, and they found okay. out there was an accident on 55. And oh. they knew immediately. Yeah. So I started calling state police barracks down there because mm-hmm. I had all those contacts. Right. And then one of, uh, Sergeant Rodriguez, to this day I've never met him, but he handled me really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that her injuries were significant mm-hmm. and that I ought to, I ought to um, drive very carefully to um, a Cooper University Medical Center. Okay. And uh, what followed, um, I got there, I was by her side the whole time, um, which I'm to this day very, very um, happy about that I mm-hmm. got to be there. Happy seems like a really weird word to use. Right. But, um, that I was able to, you know, be with her mm-hmm. and, and give her some comfort uh, for a week. She was, uh, um, she had suffered a, tremere, uh, a severe traumatic um, brain injury. Okay. So um, she never um, regained consciousness, okay. and her condition worsened over the week. Mm-hmm. During that week, um, people in my life started coming back. Coming out, yeah. Um, you know, just just from all walks. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God. Um, my best friends from New Egypt, mm-hmm. who I hung out with and consider my brothers, were at the hospital. They took off work for like a week. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or I don't know if to this day I don't know if they worked and then they just like chose a different shift. And, right. But they were always there always on the way there. Room. Yeah. Um, my whole family was there. Her family came in, obviously. Um, the Villanova basketball team, mm. Coach Wright texted me every single morning. Mm. And, and uh, Patty Wright, his wife, texted. Mm. Um, all the coaches did. The players, right. you know, reached out on social media. Um, you know, they had prayed for Kara before their game against Temple mm. on uh, February 19th, I think. Okay. Um, and then um, Father Rob was mm-hmm. an unbelievable um, person. Mm-hmm. He came to the hospital yeah. uh, several times just to offer me some comfort. Um, there's like a non-denominational chapel there that I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. in. Um, you know, we prayed together. Right. He counseled me, consoled mm-hmm. me. He told me just to tread water. Yeah. And then eventually I learned to swim again. And, and I really took that to heart. Right. Um, but... Uh, yeah, without that family though, without that support system, yeah. my parents, my mother, for instance, you know, she would she didn't leave my side. She made sure I ate. Yeah, I lost thirty pounds. Oh like, my it was, god, it was horrible. Yeah. Um, but um, and my brothers were there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- that was that experience. Yeah, but that's it. Was just another moment that that Villanova basketball team was just hugely influential in mm-hmm. my life. Exactly, and that's how I, when when they say family, like it is a family. Mm-hmm. That, it's the whole reason why. I've written this book is to really pay tribute to them. And I think I have a unique perspective in that not only was I there when we became a family in the right. skies over Providence in that emergency crash landing, yeah. but I have this, you know, situation in my life happen mm-hmm. where they all came they through all came right away, exactly yeah. the way a family would come through right. and then remain there. Yeah. And then 50 days later, they won a national championship. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So, I got, see, yeah. so I got to see Amazing. like such a crazy 
turnaround. Yeah. Um, and Kara donated her um, organs, and Father Rob gave me this wonderful, wonderful um, uh, line that me and my family and her family mm-hmm. still say to this day, and it's because she Kara passed away at 24 years old. Yeah. And he had said, it's not the years in your life that count, it's mm-hmm. the life in your years. Right. And that's like wonderful. And Kara packed in a ton in 24 years and a ton for other people, not for herself. And so that's given me a directive in life Mm -hmm. as I approach the news, as I approach teaching at Villanova as an adjunct, as I approach, you know, the the boards uh, of directors of the nonprofits that I volunteer Mm -hmm. with um, is to really start to consider other people. Um, we don't know anybody's story when you right. meet somebody on the street. You know? Exactly, yeah. Um, you don't know what other people are going through. We talked about that Talk on the about phone. That, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and we're, we've all got our struggles, and, and we can all be there for each other with yeah. a little positivity and just some support and love. For sure, yeah. And thank you for sharing that, too, because it's, it's heartbreaking. Cause it, like, I'm 31, so I have a lot mm-hmm. of good friends, you know, that, you know, have been dating for two years, and, and you get that close to marriage, and oh then that God. happens. It's, yeah. it's tragic. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. Um, but to turn the page, this is what's, what's so interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, as you know from someone who's, I mean, you're dealing with loss. Mm. And it's this completely unfamiliar, often dark um, mm. experience um, where you you go from wanting, sometimes you feel guilt for conversations that you wish you'd had or you, mm. you know, some closure. Right. Um, you... Um, you remember fond times, and it takes a while to smile about them. Mm-hmm. At least that was my, my situation. For me too, there was an added layer. I had like uh, I was ended up being treated by um, psychologist, and, okay. uh, behavioral therapist for PTSD because I kept mm-hmm. hearing her scream in my head yeah. and crash, and I had trouble sleeping and it didn't help. This is the whole first year yeah, after. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And I had to hide it from this place mm-hmm. on TV. Yeah. Um, I was off TV for about two and a half weeks, and then I came back came on. Back, yeah. The first week we covered an accident on 55. Oh, wow. And it's like I, I came up with this and I cried. I, like, yeah. But I cried in front of nobody. Right. Because it's not, you know, I, I didn't want to be a burden. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, while, while we're talking about, you know, my boss even came to the hospital a couple times, mm-hmm. too. Lest I yeah. forget, you know, yeah. those guys. So nice, um, yeah. Yeah. But but um, to turn the page, it, it took a really special person, I think, to handle me. Okay. And be the, the next partner in mm-hmm. my life. Yeah. My girlfriend Devin is, okay. is incredible. Yeah, um, she's patient. She's real still. Mm. She's hard on me in moments where she should be hard on me, and she's compassionate yeah. when she should be. And I don't know how the heck she manages she me. Manages, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a mess sometimes. At least in that first year. Yeah, holy for sure. smokes! Um, even months after. Yeah. Um, when I was able to dip my toes back in. Right. You know. There were so many different unforeseen hurdles, as you know, from dealing with loss yeah. that you don't anticipate. Yeah. Um, that she helped me encounter and overcome. Right. She's an angel. Yeah. yeah oh my for god. Sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Th- there's no better way to put it. It's it's funny. I I keep saying, and it, what you learn about loss of a mm. partner is, you know, no two loves are the same. Like mm-hmm. F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote that. Right. Um, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Because um, I don't think anybody's ever going to fill that hole in my heart. Right. If they did fill that. Then that whole then then Kara must not have meant much to me. Right. But she always she's gonna have a lasting impact. Yeah. Um, what what it means though is is I can find another brand of love that's equally fulfilling in different yeah, ways. Yeah. For sure. And you know, in some ways, and I don't want to sound flip, but like, boy, have I been pretty fortunate to mm-hmm. to experience two different definitely um, you know uh, love stories essentially yeah, for sure um, in two different from two different frames of mind certainly. Yeah. 
Uh, but gosh, am I lucky. Yeah. I'm really, really lucky. For and it's, sure. it's thanks to the foundation created by the people in my life. Definitely, Otherwise, I'd yeah. be lost. Yeah. No question. Professionally and personally. Right. Yeah. And I'm only three months into losing my dad, but I, I have seen that there are these angels that cut, like, I'm talking about like Devin's like an angel yeah. view, is that people do come out of the woodwork. And then no all question. of a sudden, it's like a wink and a from from the person you lost almost. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I was even saying that about Father Rob. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know Father Rob before. I'd read Jay Wright's book, and he talked all about this Father Rob. Sure. And I was like, who is this guy he's talking about? <laughs> and uh, my best friend got married. Um, uh, we buried my dad on Tuesday. My best friend got married on the Saturday. And she was saying, mm-hmm. this Father Rob from Villanova is saying the Mass. I was like, oh, my God. That's it's the guy that in the guy. book, yeah. <laughs> so I was like sort of excited, and so I like you know went up to him right away, and he found out you know what I was going oh. through, and so right away you know sent me this long email, um, and like you said, like he told you a couple like a phrase that stuck with you, sent it to my whole family, mm-hmm. they sent it to you know pe- other people they knew were you know losing someone. So sure. um, I do think that like these angels kind of come into your life. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, because because losses, it's really an exercise in endurance. Mm. There's no magic pill you can take. Um, there's no avoiding it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you avoid it, you're only going to have to face it later on at some point in your life. Right. So I think the the way to destroy the demon is to name it, you mm-hmm. know, to face it up front and to try to endure the feelings and to emote mm-hmm. and um, and to luckily have these wonderful, as you call them, angels yeah. in life. I, I truly believe that. And for me, it was Devin, it was mm-hmm. Father Rob, it was my parents. Right. It was um, members of that Villanova basketball team, particularly um, George Halkovich was, is an assistant coach now. Yeah. He was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, just being there for me at a moment's notice. Ian and Mike, my friends from New Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I owe a great deal to all those people. And I was yeah. very lucky to have those um, types of, um, uh, how do we put it, almost like... Um, uh, I want to say like lighthouses, but mm-hmm. not, what am I trying to think? Beacons in my life. Okay. Just, just like places that I sure. can go for some positivity. Yeah. And some validation and some endorsement. Um, whereas, and not shut in my house. And, yeah. You know, close the doors. Exactly. Um, um, yeah. And I also think the memory does live on. Totally. I'm realizing just through reading books, um, I'm about to interview this guy, um, Jim McGuire, um, who's a business guy in Philadelphia. And he um, lost his dad. I think he was... I want to say like 23, very young. And he just finished this book that he wrote, and now he's um, 85. Hmm. And here he is, however many years, 60 years later, and almost a whole chapter was devoted to his dad. And I read that right after I lost my dad. I thought that was really cool because still to this day, he's still talking about him. So, um, And then another friend I was with last week, he lost his dad. Um, He's Hmm. my age, he's 31. But when he was 16, he says people still come up to him and, you know, talk about him. So the memory does live on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best part, too, about being on TV is – um, the Miss New Jersey organization continues to reach out to me mm. to host their Miss New Jersey pageant. I haven't been able to bring myself to do it. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. But um, because of how visible I am, mm-hmm. people are very quick to say something. In Chicago, for instance, somebody mm-hmm. came up to me and said, I really like what you did or what you do for a living and how you do it. Um, and I also, I really feel for you for what you went through a few mm-hmm. years back. And I'm like, how does this random person who has never met me in my life right. say something so beautiful to mm-hmm. me? To put a smile on my face, like yeah. wow, like that. This is a, I don't take for granted any day of this job. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes with some, um, you know, somewhat interesting um, mm-hmm. uh, offshoots too. Yeah. For instance, when I was going through it, um, I'd be looped into conversations on social media about whether she was wearing her seatbelt. Okay. People would call her um, a bimbo in a red uh, Mustang mm-hmm. or some pageant princess, whatever, and it can tear you to shreds. Right. Yeah. And cause you to, you know, as I did. 
you know, want to just stay in your home. Yeah. And just, you know, close all, all the lights off and just lay on the floor. For sure. For hours. Yeah. Um, so so it's it's a double-edged sword. But I, but I think the, the, the blade of um, the positive side is much sharper. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy when it, when it happens. Yeah. It's like, wow, you know, I'm really lucky. Really, right. really lucky. Exactly, yeah. Um, and one other thing I want to talk to you about is um, – I, I mentioned the questions to you. Cheryl Sandberg, I don't know if you've yeah, read her book, yeah, Option B. B. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she talks about how she felt a little bit isolated when she went back to work after she lost. Totally. For listeners that don't know, she lost her husband. He dropped dead at the age of 50. Well, working um, out, right? Yeah, yeah. suddenly. And um, she gives advice on what to say to someone mm-hmm. when they lost someone. Because I think that's like an awkward situation for yeah, other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and three months later, I'm really going through that right now. Sure. And that some people, you know, and I feel for them because they really don't know what to say. Right. But I really appreciate the people that say right away, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. Mm-hmm. And it gets out of the way. Totally. Um, but then again, I feel for the other pe- people too. So I don't know if you have any advice on to give people. Yeah. Um, it, that's a, such an interesting thing. And so I have, I have like the opposite too. Um, the, you know, there's something that happens mm-hmm. about like two or three months in. And I think we talked about it. But. But um, no, I think yeah, right off the bat, if you mm. just say something. But for me, it's if you just say anything. Anything, yeah. If you acknowledge it, because um, you could, we can tell mm-hmm. when that person is approaching you, like hesitantly, mm-hmm. which is what Cheryl talks about. In yeah. Book, like, you can tell when they start handling you with kid gloves. It's like no, just yeah, say it. Just say it, yeah. Um, and the fact that you offer any kind of condolence mm-hmm. is a, a really nice, thoughtful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but certainly don't backload it. Certainly don't right. like, say what you want to, you know, say whatever it is. And then on the back end, go, and it, by the way, you know, I'm sorry for Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. But the thing that happens down the road is they start to, because everyone lives their own lives, mm-hmm. is they, they don't forget, say yeah. anything anymore. Right. And that's normal. And, mm-hmm. and I don't fault anybody for that, of course. You mm-hmm. know, and there are times when you don't want to hear people say stuff, I guess. Um, but uh, but that's a painful thing. Yeah. When people start retracting and treating you normally. For and sure. And you go... It's not normal. Yeah. Like there's this new still normal I'm still it. getting used to. Yeah. Um, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's nothing people, you know, that's the endurance part. Right. On the, on the part of the person grieving. Exactly. Which is difficult. Yeah. No, I hear you because, again, three months in, like the Eagles won Sunday night, and all I wanted to do was call my dad. And yeah. I was like, and I got this like pang of like, oh, I miss him. But Aww. but there's moments like that that throughout the whole year. So, but you're right. I think it's the endurance. It's just, you know, keeping your head up and moving forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But did you inherit that? Um, the Eagles fandom from someone like your father. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. that's the thing. There's all these connections. Like, as I'm writing this book, for instance, I've written four different drafts. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing the more and more I'm writing, the more and more I'm pouring over all the notes that Kara mm-hmm. wrote me, I'm starting to write more like her because mm-hmm. she was a fantastic writer. And right. I held her like, that's the goal. Yeah. And I'm starting to write, but, and I'm like, now whenever I write anything, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a word that Kara would use. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, there's, there's Kara. You know right. what I mean? It's yeah. Like, it's exactly. so, and it, for someone who writes as much as I do at work and, you know, at home, like it's, that's a cool yeah. thing. So I try to find all the, the strings in my life that are attached Attaching, to Attaching, for sure. Yeah. And I don't know if this helped you at all, but the practice of gratitude. Oh, totally. Yeah. No question. I think that's huge, too. Yeah. So I don't know if you, like, what kind of practices you use. Well, uh, what I always like to consider, and my, my parents always do this. They always say, um, my dad's famous for saying the words like, you know, it's a, good problem to have like whenever mm-hmm. I talk about anything mm-hmm. and now suddenly someone like you and me like we mm-hmm. have perspective in life when something goes wrong mm-hmm. on a day-to-day thing like when the garage is closed downstairs or the construction's blocked and yeah. I want to go ah right it's like well there are worse things mm-hmm. and you got to be grateful for the things that you have in your life and the people exactly and yeah. so what I'll do is I've got a list on my phone uh, in the notes mm-hmm. of all of the people that helped me out when I was going through um, mm-hmm. what I what I went through with Kara okay and 
I make sure that I circle back with each one, not in any particular order, mm -hmm. um, and just check in and see how they're doing. Yeah. And make sure they know that, Very cool. that I'm here in their life and uh, that I'm, and I'll, I'll outwardly say it sometimes with some mm -hmm. of my guy friends, but yeah. but um, sometimes I will, you know, yeah. just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. For sure. How are you doing? You Definitely. Know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. Um, only because if it wasn't for that list, mm -hmm. I'd have never been back on TV. I, I might not have left my house. I'd never met Devin. That's for damn right. sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm super grateful for what I've got. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just some kid from New Egypt. You know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's what I keep thinking of. I'm, I'm just living this, this uh, life is a wild one. Mm -hmm. I, a great example is a. Uh, uh, sometimes life is bizarre the way it happens. The Eagles beat the Bears, mm -hmm. and I'm waiting to do an interview with Je with Zach Ertz, which is still like, like yeah. crazy. Um, so cool. And this guy in a um, Chicago Bears um, uh, what's it called varsity jacket mm -hmm. turns around over my shoulder and starts making faces at Zach Ertz. It was Ashton Kutcher. Okay. And I turn and I'm like, Wow. What am I doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what is this life? Right. That, you know, yeah. Here I am. I'm some kid from New Egypt that, um, you know, from all accounts shouldn't be mm -hmm. in this position now so yeah. i'm super grateful and i think as long as i keep paying it forward maybe i'll continue to reap the benefits of, of this sure. life and this job and yeah it's neat and one other thing i was going to say is so gratitude's huge and then empathy too is yeah. what i've learned oh God, is that yeah. um you know, doing like meditation apps and stuff and they keep saying that everyone is going through something you're not alone oh totally so it's made me a lot more self-aware that you know if you know you run into someone and behind the cash register you know they're giving you attitude they might have had something really bad it just happened sure. so I let go of things more easily yeah so I don't know if you've experienced that too yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, no question um, even just you know what I do at 11 p.m. every night is mm -hmm. I interview I, I go to the worst areas I cover mm -hmm. the stories where that affect families and I've got to talk to those families enduring mm -hmm. hardship yeah um, a great example of that is um, last week before I left for Chicago we covered that police officer mm -hmm. who'd been uh, struck Okay. By a van. Okay. Um, he's wearing a helmet. He um, gets ejected from the motorcycle. Mm -hmm. and gets rushed to the hospital with a severe head injury. Mm -hmm. And I've got to cover that story. Okay. And I know exactly what that family's going through. Right. Um, you know, it, it's just it, this this job has us confront so many different uh, walks of life mm -hmm. and so many different people in different um, places in their life, mm -hmm. dark places, oftentimes. Um, so there's a certain sensibility, I think, that people like us have mm -hmm. built in now to handling people like that. Yeah. So it certainly gives you some perspective. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. How do you practice gratitude? Uh, so um, I used to do, when I first started it, because we talked about how we both read The Secret. Mm -hmm. So I started yeah, yeah, reading yeah. The Secret three years ago, and they're big on gratitude. Um, and so I did it every day. At the end of my day, I'd write 10 things I'm grateful for and why I'm grateful for. Um, what happened was, it might be so tired, but I like, would force <laughs> myself to do it. Um, I started doing it in the morning instead to kickstart the day, Good. which has been a little bit better for me. So, and again, I don't just say like I'm grateful for you know my health, but I say I'm grateful for my health because, mm -hmm. and I write it out and then I reread them. So sure. that helps. Yeah. And then right away, I'm like, oh, my God, my life is so great. I have nothing to worry about. <laughs> so that's yeah. really, that's great to do that, to start the day on a positive note. Mm -hmm. I, um, whenever I write a to-do list, I always write it in the morning in past tense. Okay. So it's like, today I cleaned the house. Or mm -hmm. today. Yeah. And so like when I attack these jobs, I'm like, oh, I, it gives me some motivation to do yeah. these things. But it, it frames it differently in my head, too. Exactly. So it kind of takes the... You know, the same tech that you do, yeah. the same practice, and, and applies it to something else. Exactly. But it's, oh, it's helpful. Um, your mind's right. But on a lighter note, we'd love to hear about your daily schedule yeah. now today and how you attack it. Because I was just talking, I mean, you just came off of Chicago, which yeah. is crazy. Nuts. And so I'm like a scheduled person. So I don't know how people do it, like flying and everything. Yeah, so I go, um, 
gosh, I'll, I'll take you a deep dive into my um, experience. I'm currently um, negotiating a publishing contract. Mm. Um, I have to get on the phone with a lawyer um, after this. There's a two o'clock meeting, so I'll probably end up going to that or, okay. or end up missing the two o'clock okay. meeting. Yeah, how are you doing <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. This is great. I, I yeah. love doing this. Uh, I'm really appreciative that you thought of me. Yeah. And that okay. I had this opportunity to talk with someone who shares a similar experience. Right. Um, but uh, I get on the phone with a lawyer. Um, I'll end up um, reading through a lot of the shows, connecting mm-hmm. with the producers of the 5 p.m. show. Okay. Um, anchor that newscast. Yeah. Um, after putting a lot of the scripts in my own voice so sure. they sound authentic. Then I get assigned at the assignment desk a story, mm-hmm. and I go out and tell that story at 11 p.m. somewhere okay. out in the field. Live. Wow. Okay. Um, it's a quick turnaround, um, but it gets done every night, so okay. it's possible. Um, and then um, that's Monday through Friday. On it, weeks like this where we're following the Eagles, mm-hmm. I just got off a plane yesterday from Chicago. I'll mm-hmm. get on a plane Thursday to New Orleans okay. um, where they're playing the Saints mm-hmm. on Sunday. I'll work nonstop from Thursday to Monday okay. and then be back at work. I'll wait to see what kind of days off they give me. Right. Okay. Um, but uh, but that's it. Amazing. But, yeah. But again, you know, I, I take that same tact. I'm 33. I consider myself young in this business. I don't have kids yet. Mm-hmm. Not married yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can take these opportunities and really run with them. Yeah. And uh, start to make a name for myself and build some credibility in Philly. Exactly. Because um, that's ultimately what our jobs are about. People right. trust in us and wanting to watch us. And, yeah. And the more people do that, the more I'm able to do the stuff I want to do. Like Definitely. Like write books and uh, serve on boards. And, right. Um, yeah. Exactly. The, the really fulfilling stuff. So um, I know you've covered a lot of exciting stories in Philly, like the Eagles, like mm-hmm. right now. Um, but didn't you also do the Winter Olympics too? I did. Okay. Yeah. So what was that like? Because did you work with some of the head anchors at NBC? Yeah. Too? That was a mind-blowing experience mm-hmm. okay. because um, I'd never traveled farther than Rome. Mm-hmm. We went for 25 days to South Korea. Okay. We uh, One day we took a caravan with the NBC crew and went um, across the border to North Korea through the DMZ, okay. which was something else. Yeah. <laughs> That's a trip I didn't tell my parents about until right. after I'd taken it. Okay. Um, that was scary. We had uh, machine guns trained on us. Yeah. Um, uh, well, at least we were informed of that from our UN Security Command right. watching us. Um, but we got to really experience a whole different culture for 25 days. And then experience people. I loved the winter athletes because mm-hmm. nobody know, knew, for the most part, who 90% of them are. Okay. And overnight they become international celebrities. Right, yeah. It's the craziest thing to, yeah. to, to interview people that are making very little money to train and okay. stop whatever they're doing. Right. And who have incredibly supportive families to travel with them all over the country mm-hmm. because of sponsorships, but they don't get paid. I mean, it's, it's nothing like a professional yeah. athlete. Okay. And then all of a sudden they medal, they strike big and, and they're somebody, but they're these humble, you know, yeah. really determined, focused, people. impressive people. So I loved that. Right. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then on top of that, got to see, you know, the Today Show um, came out there, got Savannah to Gunther catch up with Savannah okay. and Hoda. Yeah. And, so and that's cool. always really nice. And Al and um, Al, Al, as if like we're buddies. Yeah, Al yeah, Roger, yeah, yeah. You know? But no, that, that stuff's really neat. Yeah. Um, to see the um, the big side of the business, right. the network side. For sure. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to keep you too long, so I thought it's we'd okay. go right it's to rapid-fire questions. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. I, Which are the, the fun way, the, ones? The book, so, so I hear it's a little behind-the-scenes yeah. yeah. Steph is super prepared, <laughs> and she sent me a list of questions in advance, which I'm super grateful for, mm-hmm. and I wish that I was that diligent with some of my interviews. Okay. Um, but and you asked me about what my favorite book was. I still can't. Can't think of it, yeah. I think of a good one besides, like, because I want to go, like, quirky and say, like, the Harry Potter books. Because right. Because when I was a kid, they, like, transported me to this whole other place yeah. where anything was possible and 
And I've always been a big fan of that kind of fantasy, yeah. or at least that kind of thinking. For sure, like, yeah. Like, I can do anything I want with this life. Yeah. Um, it's a tough question. The question is, if um, if you could give one person... That's what it is, yeah, to yeah. Every, Give one book to every person you meet, what would it be? So yeah. it sums people a lot of times. Yeah, like, ah. yeah, yeah. I feel like option option B is a good one. It's a good one, Only yeah. Because it's easy it gives to read, you, too. Yeah, it gives you a glimpse into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a difficult read if you've been through mm-hmm. something. For sure. So I find it hard. That's why I can't necessarily say, like, that's the one. Yeah. Um, I always think, yeah. um, someone said one time, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, yeah, right. It's sort of like a tacky title a little bit. No, um, no, no, it's good. But it's, um, I don't know if you've read it by uh, Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, It's yeah. old, yeah. But it gives such good um, everyday life tactics that you forget about. Just like skills on listening and everything. So I always think that's yeah, basics, a, a great one. I keep it right by my desk and like pick it up sometimes and randomly read a chapter. It's good. Yeah. So it um, helps remember. But, um, but yeah, so another question I had was when you think of the word success, who do you think of? And it can be more than one person. Uh, I think of my parents um, mm-hmm. for two different reasons. My father only because he was an incredible provider to us mm-hmm. and he was always involved in our lives. He was always one of our coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, he would attend every single game and practice despite mm-hmm. his crazy schedule. He didn't necessarily enjoy his work in his life. He's, he's coming up on retirement in 18 months. He's really counting down. Okay. Um, but he still did it to provide for our family so that mm-hmm. we weren't really want for much. Right. And granted, we had super humble roots. Yeah. Um, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers in the summers, yeah. barbecue. Um, in New Egypt, New Jersey. So, you know, it's not like we were uh, affluent, but mm-hmm. um, but he certainly, he worked his butt off. And right. I really admired that. Yeah. It kind of drove my work ethic. And my mother, because she is this like extremely resourceful, creative, silly person. Okay. Who has supported and validated me and my two brothers yeah. our whole lives. Right. If there's one person that has taught me that I can do anything I want in mm-hmm. my life, so long as I work hard and sacrifice, it's my mother. It's mom. Okay. Yeah, what she's been able to accomplish on a high school education and um, another really modest upbringing is remarkable. Yeah. And she's just such a role model. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and then what advice would you give to your 30-year-old self? You said you're 33? Yeah. So just three years ago. But a lot's happened to you in three years. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that's happened to me. Um, to slow down and okay. enjoy things. Mm-hmm. Three years ago was before I had lost Kara. Mm-hmm. And I think I was so consumed by work. Mm-hmm. And the um, the day to day of it, right. not so much the enjoyable parts, but mm-hmm. like the schedule and how I have no time for me, and yeah. you know, it's and not that I was unselfish, okay, but just that I um, never slowed down and enjoyed the moment, mm-hmm. um, and people around me too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy in this business, especially with all the negative news we cover, to mm-hmm. have blinders on sometimes. To the you know, life is beautiful, yeah, and I wish I'd slowed down and enjoyed the ride for sure. Um, funny enough, um, Coach Wright said the same thing. Did he really? He did. Yeah, the advice he'd give to his thirty-year-old self yeah. would be to slow it, down. It, it's yeah. a, it's a, the price of like ambition, I think. Because mm-hmm. what I started to find when I was in Philly, particularly, was the more successful I became, the more I was allowed to host charity events and mm-hmm. fundraisers, and the the better I can uh, mentor students because mm-hmm. they listen more. Definitely. The yeah. more credibility I had then in the classroom mm-hmm. um, as an adjunct professor at Nova, um, you know, so. So I sort of get very ambitious, mm-hmm. and uh, the price of that is you, you don't look at anything around you. Right. It's only like full steam ahead of the yeah. vision, um, and that's a shame. Yeah, exactly. Um, so any last departing words for the listeners, and where can everyone find you too? That's very nice. Yeah. Um, last departing words. Um, you learn more from failure than success. Okay. So go and 
if you think you want to be something mm-hmm. and you truly are willing to sacrifice and work hard mm-hmm. and you visualize it in your head that you can do it. Yeah. Um, uh, and don't be afraid of failure. Okay. Um, as, uh, you know, Michael Scott says of The mm-hmm. Office, right. quoting Wayne Gretzky, you miss yeah. 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. But it's truly it's true, the case. Yeah. Like, you fail, so what? Mm-hmm. I always tell my students when they apply to these jobs that they yeah. don't think they can get. It's like, as long as you can believe at some point in your life you're going to get there, the worst thing they're going to see is your name and they right. might remember it. And right. boom, that's a plus. Yeah. So there's more um, to learn from failure than success. Yeah, amazing. Hi, everybody. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to High Five Success Stories. To learn more about the podcast, feel free to follow me on Instagram. My handle is at High Five Success. Or on Facebook, you can like High Five Success Stories with Steph Hayden. Or I'm also on Twitter. My handle is at High Five Hayden. And lastly, you can subscribe to the newsletter on my website, www.stephhayden.com. And if you get a second, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much. Thank you.